love you. Um, we're Hebrews 5.11. Um, fair warning, I don't say this every time I preach, but I'm saying it today. I might have no idea what I'm talking about today. So, if it's off, just, I warned you, okay? If it's not right, I did my best. Hebrews 5. Uh, 11 about this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing i just love reading this every week for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of god you need milk not solid food we had rotten milk this morning at our house like this and it just so disappointing you need milk not solid food for everyone who lives on milk Is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Messiah and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation. And here's where we've been the last couple couple weeks, a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instructions about washings. The laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. This is God's word. So we are in our third week of working through um, these basics of following Jesus. What the author of Hebrews calls elementary, milk, simple stuff. And so far we've covered repentance and trust in God, which leaves us with four to go. Okay? And I don't think we're going to get them all because we're going to do something new when we get to the new building. And so I will, I don't know, we'll figure it out. So four to go, though, instructions about washings, whatever that is, the laying on of hands, whatever that is, then the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Hopefully we've got those. Okay. And so, so far, the basics we've covered have been basic. Hopefully repentance. Stop sinning. All right. Got that one. (laughs) Uh, Basic. Stop doing and thinking things that lead to death. Second, faith towards God. Got it, right? Trust that God and his word are reliable concerning punishment and reward and live accordingly. Faith towards God. Basic. Elementary milk. And so I'm, I'm you know, trying to be a teacher and teach the stuff. And so I'm feeling pretty good about myself at this point. All right, I'm working through these things the first two weeks. Like, all right, I've got the milk down, author of Hebrews, bring me the meat. And then I read the next basic instruction, and um, I read the ESV normally. And he says, and of instruction about washings. And I realize I don't have the basics down. Okay? Uh, okay, because off the top of my head, I don't know what he's talking about. Okay, you guys read your Bible sometimes. And me and Ryan read the Bible right now, and we read stuff, and we're like, I don't know. That is. Why did he put his hand under his thigh? I don't. I don't know. It's just what they're doing. Um, so I don't know what he's talking about. So I, I did what you do, and this is just. I'm just bringing you in to help you guys study the Bible for for yourselves. When I don't know what I'm, don't know what the heck I'm reading. I say go back to the Torah. Okay. What did, what did Moses say? Where are the instructions about washings in the Torah? And it turns out there's a lot. Okay. So uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. They give you all kinds of instructions. Um, about washings. Also, my mother can give you all kinds of instructions about uh, washings. <laughs> so in the Torah, though, if you're a priest, you know, wash every day, right? Because you're, you're serving in the temple. You have to be um, clean. If you went near a dead body, okay, you, you need to absolutely wash before you approach the temple or the tabernacle or, or wherever. Are you a woman? You have to wash way more than men, okay? 
at least like like all the time. Like they could almost never approach the temple for, you know, all kinds of reasons. Uh, are you a married couple? You had a, a good time last night. You need to cleanse yourselves before you go. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just you're, you're ritually impure. Are you a male Gentile wanting to convert and, and, and join Israel? Well, you need to wash and you need to buy a towel because circumcision's coming. Okay? Like all kinds of instructions. Uh, I'm not trying to be crude. It's just like the, the Bible's hilarious. Yeah, it's rhyme. Like we're just reading the thing and it's just all kinds of stuff in the Bible. You're like... They didn't teach me that on the felt board, you know, but it's in here. It's like this is like this is our like rule of life and rule of faith. And it's so strange. It's just so strange. So just embrace it. okay? all kinds of washings in the Torah. okay? so cleanliness is next to godliness is not in your Bible, but cleanliness is required to approach God is in your Bible. That, that's I mean, there's there's a lot of that the problem is. So I, I go back to the Torah. This is there. The problem is, I don't think that's what the author means by instructions about washings. Right. He's writing to the Hebrews who know this stuff inside and out. They don't need to be told um, about washing. So the Torah didn't help me there. And then I thought, well, maybe he meant instructions about how to do the washing. So that also doesn't make sense because those are described in the Torah. Right. And then I, I instructions about how to do washing would be like, you know, one cup baking soda. To, you know. I don't think it's that um, either. So if you're reading the Bible, studying the Bible and you're not getting satisfactory answers in the Bible, then you grab books. OK, don't grab books first. Just generally so don't grab books first. Read the Bible, ask the spirit, then grab books. So I got to that point and I opened them up and I found out they're all confused, too. Okay, I opened Jewish commentaries, Orthodox commentaries, Catholic commentaries, Protestant commentaries, and all those will just tell the Jewish commentaries they're wrong. And um, but anyway, on this verse, everyone, I open up Hebrews six one and two, and they get to hear, and every single commentary I read goes, oh, I don't know, all of them. <laughs> Which is concerning because it's supposed to be basic, right? The other people is like, this is basic elementary milk. But the greatest scholars in the world look at it and go, I don't really know. Okay? I don't really know. And their confusion about this verse, then it comes out in, in, their, um, in their translations. Okay? And I won't bore you with it, but some of the confusion comes from uh, the Greek word here for instruction, did, did it? Keen, whatever. Um, it has one or two different letters in it, depending on which Greek manuscript you have, and that can color and uh, their interpretation and translation of. It, okay, so I think I have. Yeah, I think I have my ESV instruction about washings, NIV instruction about cleansing rites, uh, CSB teaching about ritual washings, uh, the Berean literal instruction about baptisms, and King. J- King James people on the doctrine of baptisms. I'm like, well, none of you guys are helping me either. Okay, so they're all different. I've already said I'm not convinced that the basic uh, here is about instructions about ritual purity because that's in the like you can just read it in the Torah, and I don't think it's about how to actually do baptisms, right? Because as Protestants, we do bapti- our instructions about baptism is what grab your nose, right? <laughs> Because people don't know how to swim, Brittany. That's why we need you in the world, okay? So instead, wait, uh, uh, all that, I, I, I land with a scholar who, he's on the translation committee of the NIV and the NASB, so he knows Greek better than 
anyone. And he translates it this way, catechetical instruction concerning cleansing rites. And so instead of going with that, let me put it into Tonkawa, baptism class. Class before baptism, okay? I think this makes sense. This is what Jesus told them to do. Go school the Gentiles. Go teach the Gentiles in my words, teaching them everything I have said and baptize them. Right? Matthew 28, go therefore make disciples of all the nations, all the Gentiles, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them and teaching them not just to know things. Okay? Like I think this is where... Uh, we uh, struggle a little bit. We teach people to know things in their head, which is good. I don't want to dismiss that. Teaching them to, to not just know things, but to observe them. Okay, all that I have commanded you. So observe in the Torah doesn't mean just like look at it and say, I see it. I'm observing it, right? To, to observe the commandments means to do them, Right? To actually give yourself to living how God has said to live. Not just going, that looks wise and that looks smart. Actually doing, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So I think this, instructions before baptism, fits the logical flow of Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. So first, someone hears the gospel. And the gospel goes out this way, repent and believe in the good news. Mark 1.14, right? That's what Jesus says. Repent, kingdom's at hand, repent and believe the gospel. So they repent and they believe the first two basics of Hebrews 6. And what's next after a person repents and trusts? They are baptized into the name. Acts 2.38. Jesus gives that commission, Matthew 28, Acts 2, a little bit later. Spirit comes out, tongues of fire on their heads, like weird stuff in your Bible. Like, what is going on here? Acts 2, Peter said to them, repent and what? Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. So, if the author of Hebrews is laying out what's basic to following Jesus, then it doesn't get more basic than repent, believe, be baptized, right? That's just like... Easy, okay? And, and, and there's an assumption here in Hebrews 6 that there's some instruction beforehand, right? And it's, and it's elementary instruction. It's basic instruction. It's milk. And based on Hebrews 6, which is laying out this elementary stuff that they've learned before, right? He's saying, I don't have to teach you guys this again. Okay? They know this. It seems like the standard practice is for careful instruction in the ways and teaching and lifestyle of Jesus before they are baptized. That's where I'm landing today, okay? We might come back and hit this in a year and think, no, I think it's about cleansing. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? Okay, good. It made sense to uh, a group of believers in the first century, too. Um, and, and this, I think this makes sense to us practically, right? Like if I'm joining the army, they are going to train me in how to use a gun before they hand me a gun and say, you're a soldier, right? Like there, there, there's, that makes sense practically. And this should, should make sense to us theologically because we are a lowercase b Baptist church. Yeah. Disciples of Christ are an offshoot of that. Anyway, 
Uh, and also, though, it makes sense historically. So this is this is um, just nerd out with me for a second. In that first generation of Jesus followers, uh, this document was produced called the instruction of the master through the 12 apostles to the Gentiles. OK, or in Greek, the, the Didache, which is similar to the Greek word Didachin, that's translated instructions in Hebrew sick. OK, so there's a document called the instructions for Gentiles. Uh, and in this document, it, it's just instructions to Gentiles on what to do to turn to the God of Israel. It's the teachings of Jesus that Gentiles hear and commit to abide by before they are baptized. It's almost like a, a miracle from heaven that we have this document here. So it's used in the first century and then it's lost and, and then it's not found again until 1873. About the time uh, Joe was born, they, they're finding uh, <laughs> that's when they find this thing. And it's like um, it's like uh, 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 seen Lord of the Rings. Uh, Gandalf, he finds the ring and then he goes to this massive library and he's pouring through stuff and he finds the thing or Indiana Jones, maybe searching through stuff. And he, he finds this document anyway in a pile of manuscripts in a temple in Istanbul. Pretty cool. Wikipedia. It's it's really interesting stuff. So what is in this document that they find this this dedicate? Well, let, let's just read some of it. OK, let's read some of it. Chapter one. I'm going to read the whole thing, but. Chapter one, the two ways, the first commandment. So this is, these are the instructions to the Gentiles. There are two ways, one of life and one of death. Good start, right? But a great difference between the two ways. The way of life then is this. First, you shall love God who made you. Second, your neighbor as yourself. Is that familiar to you? Hopefully. And the saying of, these, of the teachings is this. Bless those who curse you and pray for your enemies. For what reward is there if you love those who love you? Do not the Gentiles do the same? But also love those who hate you and you shall not have an enemy. Abstain from fleshly and worldly lust. If someone gives you a blow on your right cheek, turn to him the other also and you shall be perfect. If someone impresses you to go one mile, go with him too. If someone takes your... You've heard this, right? Okay, give him your coat. Uh, If someone takes from you what is yours, ask not for it back, for indeed you are not able. Give to everyone that asks from you. Ask not for it back. Larry's going to give me a truck someday. We're going to read this verse. I'm going to get a truck. Um, For the Father wills that to all should be given of their own blessings. Happy is he that gives according to the commandment, for he is guiltless. You've heard that before, right? Maybe last April when we were going Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. You, you, you've heard all of this. Is. That's what this is. That's the instruction. That, that's the, 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 the didache. Clueless Gentiles have heard the good news. They've repented from dead works and they're exercising trust towards God. And now, before they take the plunge into the name and say, I am all in with everything, they're receiving instruction in the teaching and lifestyle of Jesus. Okay, so that's that's chapter one of of the Didache. Chapter two is basically the Ten Commandments. Okay, from Exodus. Chapter three is a mixture of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and 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 some of the Paul uh, sin list that we went through two weeks ago, saying don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Chapter four is more of of Paul's instructions with some Deuteronomy sprinkled in. Five and six deal with uh, false teachers and how to. Treat them uh, and the like. And then comes chapter 7 of the Didache, which is titled Concerning Baptism. Maybe this is what the author of Hebrews is talking about. Okay, so what is the protocol for the early Jesus movement concerning baptism? Let's read from the Didache. And concerning baptism, baptize this way. It sounds promising. Okay. (laughs) 
having first said all of these things. So what are all these things? The instructions from the first six chapters, how to live, how to choose the narrow road that leads to life instead of the broad one that leads to death, how to flee from every evil thing, how to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion. So having first said all of these things, having first given clear instruction regarding the particulars of following Jesus, then having said all these things, then baptize into the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, which is what Jesus said in Matthew 28 in, in living water. Living water, right? So go down to the river to pray. So long as you've been studying that good old... Right? Like, there's a pattern to it. And then he says, but before baptism, let the baptizer fast. And the baptized... Like, oh, they're getting baptized. Why do I get it? Okay. And, what, and whatever others can. But you shall order the baptized to fast one or two days before. So just instruction. So do you see... Not only does the logical flow, I think, of Hebrews make sense, that it's repentance from dead works, faith towards God, and then instructions concerning baptism. Uh, we have evidence from the first century that this is how the early Jesus movement did it. This is, this is how they practiced it. They gave instruction beforehand, okay? They didn't just throw people into a pool. Definitely not infants. Definitely not children who aren't mature enough yet to count the cost. Like, they're not, they're not doing that, okay? So, and... I, I don't like to ask this, but I'm going to ask. Did anyone read their email this week? Okay, don't raise your hands. Don't don't depress me. Uh, in the email, I, I put <laughs> I put a thing in there about all the spontaneous baptisms in Acts, right? Because everything I've said thus far, act, the Book of Acts is like, no, we just baptize them. Okay, so I put something in there about that just for time purposes. We can talk about it, or you can read the email um, and deal with that. But for this group in, in Hebrews. They're giving instruction, clear instruction before um, baptism. So why? why? Why would they make it harder, seemingly, for people to undergo baptism? Why, why wouldn't they just want to baptize all the people, right? Like, what, what gives, okay? So I think there are at least three reasons for giving clear, doctrinal, and more important for this, ethical instruction before we allow people to take the plunge. And the first reason is because Jesus did it this way. Not baptism specifically, but following him. Okay, so people come to Jesus. And we're like 20 chapters into Matthew. You've seen this. People come to Jesus. They express they want to follow him. And he turns them away, right? Have you ever been reading through a gospel and just been like, Jesus, you missed a great opportunity there, man. Like they they were trying to follow you, right? He's like a, 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 a car salesman who doesn't want to sell cars, right? People come to the lot and he's like, nah, you don't want to buy any of these cars. You, you don't want to do that. Luke, Luke 9. And they were walking along the road. A man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, great, come on. Nope. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. All right, that's great that you want to follow me, but maybe go home and, and think about how much you enjoy that pillow. Okay, think, think real hard first, because me and my followers are strangers in this age. Right. He doesn't say like, yeah, just hop on, man. No, no, it's like we we're we're, we're just strangers right now. Luke 14, even Luke 14 is hard um, for all of us. Luke 14, now great crowds accompanied him, okay? So you're the disciples, you're like, we're going to have revival, make it easy for him, Jesus, let's pump those numbers up. Great crowds accompanied him, and he turned to them and said, 
Not what you say if you want lots of people to follow you. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. If he doesn't hate his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Not it's going to be hard for him to be my disciple. Can't do it. Can't. And your disciples are like, Jesus. They're all here. They want to follow you. What are you doing? Verse 27. He says, whoever does not bear his own cross. It's a clear reference to, to martyrdom in the first century. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He's making clear on the front end what is demanded. There's no bait and switch. You know what I mean? Like there's no like, check this out. And then traps them. No, he's telling them. On the front end, he does not give a category for halfway. With Jesus, it is all or it is nothing. So he's saying, count the cost first. Compared to your devotion to me, you're going to hate your brother and sister and father and mother and your own life. Like this is what is at stake. So verse 28, he says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? Whether you have enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying this man began to build, but was not able to finish. So Jesus says, you want to build a tower. That's that's great. Just know it's going to cost you everything. OK, don't start if you're not planning on finishing. OK, verse 31 or what king? Going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation, asks for terms of peace. Like, oh, I was going to lose that one. I'm glad I sat down, figured it out first. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Can't do it. Cannot. So it's the same principle. Like it, it's the same thing. Jesus does not want people misinformed about the cost of following him. Right. And after about the, what it means to be baptized into his name, to take on his identity in the world. OK, he's not a scam artist telling people things they want to hear to, to pump his numbers up. Right. I'll tell them the hard stuff later, but let's get him in the Jesus club first. No. Absolutely not. Jesus says, tell them the hard stuff now. Right. And, and carrying like martyrdom. That's that's the tip top. You say yes to that. Everything under that's easy. OK, tell them the hard stuff now. Tell them they're going to have to love their enemies now. Tell them they're going to be persecuted now. Be kind to them. Give them the opportunity to do the math first and ask, is he worth it? OK. Like if you're a believer this is the question you asked. Is, is, is Jesus worth it? Is he worth giving up the rights to, to my own life? You know what I mean? Like, like I, I'm not autonomous anymore. I'm not in charge of my life. He is. Okay? So, so I think quick baptism, baptism without instruction about what it's going to cost, I think it takes this element of Jesus' discipleship and, and just throws it away. Okay, so if you're here today and you're not following Jesus, Christian Life Church is saying, hey, count the cost. And we're saying just unashamedly, he is worth it. Okay, if you're going to sit down and do the math, do it. You'll find out, yeah, eternal life uh, is much better. Okay, 
count the cost, uh, uh, repent of your sins, turn from your sins, put all of your hope for eternal life in the work of Jesus, his cross for your sin, his death for your death, his resurrection as, as a confirmation that you too, if you trust in him, will also be raised from the dead and then we'll baptize you. Okay? Then we'll dunk you in the pool in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you're joining the school and we'll help you figure it out for the next however long. Okay? Like this is what we want to do. So if you're not a Christian today, you're not following Jesus, you want to start, you have questions about starting. You're sitting next to a member of Christian Life Church. Go, hey, I got questions about that. And do it. Okay? Or if you don't want to talk to them, talk to me, talk to any of our elders up here. But today would be the day. Okay? To sit down, want to build this tower, count the cost, okay? Then we'll dunk you. So that, that's first. I think the early church is giving instruction, requiring instruction up front, because that's what Jesus did. It's the same model. Second, they do it to, to clarify doctrine, which is important, but also more so to clarify lifestyle, okay? I think this is it. So you want to follow Jesus? You want to be baptized? Be welcomed as a full-fledged member of the family? You got to stop sleeping around, right? And then stuff like this might seem obvious, but it's not. It's, it's not. Um, you, you got to stop worshiping idols. Now that might not fit our context. If you have idols, you should get rid of them. But the <laughs> first century, stop worshiping idols. You got to stop getting drunk. Okay, we're not, we're not doing the drunk thing ever. Followers of Jesus do not get drunk ever, 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 ever. If you're willing to do that, and any, I could have listed a million things from, from Paul's list there. If you're willing to do that, you're going to say, yes, I'm going to give myself to that. I'm going to fall on my face and do all the stuff that new children do, but, but I'm willing to give myself to that. The early church says, welcome to the family, but we want to be very clear. We don't live like the Gentiles do. Okay, we we march to this. We don't we don't march to the beat of the spirit of the age. We march to the beat of the spirit of God. We we follow Jesus. So just know this up front. We're not trying to trick you. This is what it means. The instruction before baptism makes these kinds of ethical and behavioral implications clear up front. Okay, like it's not simply doctrine. It's not simply doctrine. The the actually just real real quick. Uh. Is anyone here um, from like a high church background, Catholic or or uh, Method? Where we got Catholic, we got Methodist, Stony Methodist. Anyone else? Any Anglicans? What do we got here? Methodist, Lutheran. Yeah. So so uh, you guys went. Did you guys do confirmation? And yeah, and you learned, right? I think that's great. I'm not, I think it's awesome. <laughs> I think it. I think it's awesome. But we don't want simple doctrine, right? Like someone doesn't need to be able to articulate. Whatever, the mysteries of the Trinity, right? we want them to have a right confession. But they do need to know they can't lie and steal. Right? There's no instruction, and then there's no willingness to adhere to that instruction. Then there's no getting baptized. Okay, there's no joining um, the church. We had a, a situation two years ago. A, a, a person comes and says, hey, I want to I join the church. And and uh, they're they're living a, a totally ungodly lifestyle. Um, and I said, well, yeah, any anyone can can join the church. But there's there's repentance and a life life change uh, involved. And and they said no. And so I said no. You know what I mean? Like like this is just. This is how it works. 
There, there's no belonging without without believing. Okay, like it, it's we don't we don't do it backwards. If there's no death, there's no burial. Okay, so this has been helpful for me to think about. Baptism is like when should you bury someone? Easy easy answer, right? When should you bury someone? When they're dead. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not when they're a little bit dead. That's problematic. Okay. Or not if they really, 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 really want to be buried. No. When when they're dead. Monty Python people here. <laughs> the guy is. It's they're in the. The plague's not funny, but the, he's wheeling them out, and, and the guy's going, bring out your dead, bring out your dead, and they're going to go burn him. And the guy is bringing his dad out, and the dad is like, I'm not dead yet. And he tells him, You'll be, he'll be dead in a little bit. Go ahead and take him. Like, no, we don't bury people until they're dead. Okay, this is how Paul talks about it. Romans 6, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Messiah Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like him. So to get raised from the dead, you got to be dead. And instruction before this aids our determination, okay? Like we're giving instruction, we're saying, hey, this is how we're going to live. That allows us to say, you know what? This person looks dead to us. As far as we can tell, let's bury him. Okay? This is what it's doing. And then, last thing. So I think this is what they're talking about because it's how Jesus did it. Count the cost first. I think it removes confusion about lifestyle. Right? You don't want to welcome someone in and then find out later. They're like, oh, I didn't know that's what it took. I'm out. Okay? Third reason that instruction before baptism was considered basic, elementary, and milk is because the early disciples held a high view of the Messiah's body, of, of the church. They had a high view of local churches and of local church membership. Okay? The New Testament understanding of churches is that they are composed of believers, of people who have already counted the cost. And if someone comes into the body and then later it's determined by the church, they're not actually a believer, whether through falling away or whether they simply were never one in the first place, they are to be removed from the body. Because the body matters. It's a high view of what it means to be part of a church. It's not a casual thing, okay? And so the reason that it was taken so seriously then, and the reason we have texts like Matthew 18 and 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, and, and the reason it should be taken so seriously now is because false converts hinder the church's mission. Okay? This is my, my uh, last thing here. So how? How does this hurt the church's mission? Two ways. Uh, first is obvious just by un, ungodly people living ungodly out in the public square. Okay? Uh, you're, so just your basic sing songs on Sunday, live like the devil on Monday thing that we're, um, you know. But historically, the second way that this hinders the mission, and, and I think more uh, demonically inspired because it's sneaky and it happens slowly, uh, it happens this way, okay? So churches, maybe with good intentions, cast a big net and they bring people in with as low a bar as possible, okay? They walk down the front, right hand of fellowship kind of thing. Low a bar as possible. They don't teach people to count the cost, to carry a cross, to follow Jesus. They tell them God made them special and loves them very much. And just back up. God does, did make you special and does love you very much. Back in here. <laughs> but they don't give any sort of instruction. 
They don't practice meaningful membership in baptism, and it's the sort of membership in baptism that does its best to make sure that church members are actually believers, that they're actually dead first, okay? So that's what's happened. So then what happens? Churches get filled up with false converts, okay? Two kinds of false converts. One, false converts that they just don't know that they're false. They don't know they're false because no one told them how they're living is not the right way. They don't know. They think they're a believer because you told them they were. Even though they weren't. And then the second kind is the sneaky wolves kind of deal. Okay, so they get filled up with false converts. And then those churches, and by default, those seminaries and denominations and on and on and on, they do what? False sheep elect false shepherds. And then it's game over. Right? Then then the battle has been won. And this happened to us. Okay, so uh, uh, this happened to us. The disciples of Christ, guys, started out just... Awesome. Okay? And and they didn't finish that way. And and this happened to us and, and praise God our gray hairs got us out. Okay? So thank you guys for fighting that battle so we didn't have to. Our gray hairs got it out, but it did happen to us. The the disciples of Christ began as gospel preaching, gospel believing, meaningful membership, Baptist churches. Look it up. Like this is what this is what they were. That's how they started. But barring revival and a return to the basics like repentance, faith, and instruction before baptism, they will die as gospel-denying, gospel-dismissing, unbelieving churches with unbelieving leaders, and they will be thrown into a lake of fire. Like, it's not a small thing. This, this matters. It's basic. It's milk. Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Messiah and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, and of instruction about washings or instruction before baptism. And here's why this matters, okay? I don't know this is like a boring sermon, whatever. I, can, I know that. I understand that. I understand. No, it's fine. It, just call it what it is. <laughs> here's why it matters, okay? He, like, here's why it should matter to you. Right now, that this is a basic we take seriously is because actually, Robert, if you would come help us, this point would land a lot better. <laughs> Here's why it matters. My my plan, okay, and I'm assuming this is the Lord's plan too. That doesn't always work, but my plan is for thousands of people to hear the gospel in Tonkawa. Thousands would be like all of them, right? 3,000-ish people. Thousands of people in Tonkawa to hear the good news about Jesus' cross before the day of the Lord, about the resurrection of the dead, about the hope of the age to come, about life forever and life and joy and peace and no more sorrow, no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. All of, Thousands of people hear that gospel. Thousands of people believe it, repent of their sins, say, oh, that, that is bad. That sounds bad. I'm going to turn, go that way, exercise trust and faith towards God. And then what? What's after that? We got to instruct them in what it means to follow Jesus and then baptize them and then do the rest of these basics after. Like it, it matters. It's really important. Now, if you're not planning on any new people coming to know God, throw this whole thing away. But if your plan is for like thousands of people or even like 10 people to come to the Lord, we want to. We want to do what the apostles did, okay? That's why it matters. Um, and we're working on, you know, we're working on, on this stuff. We've taken 12, 10 people through the new members class, which is 
this. We, we go through, here's the gospel. Here's what it looks like to repent. Here's what it means to, to follow Jesus. This kind of, like we're, we're doing better. Um, we're going to keep doing it. And um, I'll shut up. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, thank you for the gospel that has come to us, that uh, our ears have heard. Thank you for the Spirit, God, leading us to trust in Jesus, to repent of our sins, to turn away from wickedness, turn toward um, godliness. God, and we thank you for our, our baptism, God. Um, you know, whether it was too early or too late, I don't think anyone's actually on time, but we, we thank you for our baptism. Um, thank you what it means. God, thank you that... that uh, You've given us uh, your word, you've given us your spirit, and you've given us other members, God, to keep training us in these things. To keep the same instruction we received before baptism, we're we're being instructed and encouraged in it um, now. And God, I I pray that uh, this isn't in vain. God, that thousands of people in Tonkawa come to repent of their sins trust in God and be baptized start start the, the the start and stay on the path that leads to life so help us do this teach us you know if this is dumb stop doing that if this is wise keep doing that like help us with those things we, we need your help um, in Jesus name amen um, so our elders will be at the front for prayer. You can pray about anything, uh, the message today or just anything else going on. If you're not praying with an elder, pray with people in your row. If the Spirit's leading you to go pray for someone else, follow that leading. Go do it. Um, but this time's for prayer. So let us pray.